Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the Jazz Queen and Mike Reynolds are talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. The smoothest show on internet radio. Your host, the Jazz Queen and Mike Reynolds. Hello and welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. My name is Terry, a.k.a. the Jazz Queen. Mike, how are you? I'm doing okay today, Terry. How are you today out there in Las Vegas? Good. Uh, well, we're finally cooling down. The weather's finally cooling down, thank goodness. But more importantly, how are you there with that storm? Oh, everything's pretty um, normal right now. Now, like I said, they said that the storm winds are going out into the sea, so we shouldn't be experiencing nothing but uh, just heavy rain and uh, some high okay. winds, but nothing like okay, they good. were kind of predicting. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Glad to hear that. All right, so we have a couple of people that have joined us in the chat room. Welcome to Ollie and Andrew. Welcome to the show. Um, Joe, uh, Joe from Germany is here as well. Hey, Joe. If you would like to join us in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Olita Adams' picture. That will bring you into the show page. Below that is the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485. 646-716-5485 if you would like to call in with a question for Alita Adams. Um, Grammy-nominated Alita Adams has eight CD releases, including Secular, Gospel, and a Christmas album, worldwide acclaim, and over two and a half million records sold. Her upcoming album, uh, Musical Prayers, is called A Place for Peace, and we will hear a couple of tracks from that album. Alita Adams, welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Thank you so much, Terry. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's our our honor, definitely our mm-hmm. honor. And um, as I was going to say to you before we went live, um, I, you and I have a connection um, on long and lonely hours, and I will share that um, with you. Uh, very emotional song for me. So, um, uh, yeah, I'll share that with you later, but... We're glad to have you, and I wanted to let you know that the first time I saw you perform was in Napa, at Brian Culberson's Napa event. Oh, wow. That was your first yeah. time. Yes, well, That's a great ma'am. city, isn't it? It's a really great yes. city. Beautiful. And we had a, a wonderful a time woman. out there. It's a great little venue, too. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. You did. A, you put on a great show. I so enjoyed you so mm-hmm. much. Thank I was you. so happy to get to see you perform. Thank you very much. Yeah, so hopefully, um, you know, he'll get you back out there soon um, or, you know, in the future. Uh, and I think, you know, I think a lot of us there, uh, it was our first time seeing you um, for a lot of us. So um, I wow. really enjoyed it. And you're such, yeah, yeah, and you're such a beautiful woman. You're such a beautiful <laughs> woman. So <laughs> You are very sweet. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I am very happy again to have you on. Um, as I said, she has an upcoming album called A Place for Peace. And um, just kind of give us a background on this album and why you wanted to do these musical prayers. Oh, you know, uh, I'm I'm pausing because I'm just sort of exasperated, as I think we all are. You know, it was years ago when a, a lot of troubles started uh, a, coming up often in America with senseless violence, and even as we speak now, we're experiencing it again. 
Uh, And uh, over and over and over again. And I noticed when you looked at the news that people just could not believe that this was happening. And it's at times like that and and times like uh, when 9-11 happened that people realized, you know, uh, maybe we Americans are not quite as safe as we've always, you know, and and secure Mm -hmm. as we thought we were. And so then they would stand around in vigils and they would light candles and hold hands and sing, you know, Amazing Grace or some song. And and I thought, you know, what we really do need is prayer. I remember when 9-11 happened, people, the churches um, kind of filled up there for a moment. And people were looking for some comfort and they were looking for uh, safety. They were looking for peace. And um, so there were. I, I felt like many people were out of practice in praying, you know. And, it, mm-hmm. it, and it's interesting how many people don't realize how simple praying really is. Um, that we can uh, realizing the sovereignty of God, but also the passion and the compassion and the grace and the mercy that uh, He offers to all of us. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe this is a good time to put out an, an album of songs that their their prayers, they don't all sound like the traditional gospel songs, but they are things that every person, every person can really relate to. And so I started writing some songs, and uh, the two that were just released are... <laughs> two of the most important ones because we're go- we're mm. all going to be faced with challenges no matter what and that's a daily daily thing number one the safety of our children and the other thing is when life happens and what goes along with life is from the time that we are born we are terminal uh we all have a terminal illness as far as the physical body and uh, so learning how to deal with saying goodbye to those we love is a, a very important thing, how to let go. And and also realizing what those people who are experiencing that, what, what a person experiencing that would feel like at that time. So I tried to mm-hmm. try to put that into words. Mm, well, you did a beautiful job on these two songs. Um, the, the new releases are called Long and Lonely Hours, and the other one is called Safe and Sound. And uh, I will be playing those um, in just a few minutes here. But I want to kind of um, get into your background, Alita. When, how old were you when you started singing? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> understand that I was raised in my in in a in a, a Baptist church and. My great uncle was the pastor, and uh, my biological father is also a, a, a minister. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations that from the time you can stand up on your own, you are in a choir. <laughs> mm. And uh, so I started singing, oh, I, I suppose probably around five years old, maybe four, maybe earlier. That's something I love to do. And all the rest of the kids were outside playing and running and and jumping and screaming and hollering. I was inside in my little rocking chair that had this little musical thing attached to the, you know, the the lower part of it. And every time I rocked, you heard the little uh, uh, jingling noise of a, um, a 
little bells on it. And I would make up songs, whether it was just mommy, 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 or whatever it was I was singing all the time. And then, of course, I started singing our church. And my first song, I think, was uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And I would sing the lead part of that. And then I graduated to uh, a song called In Times Like These. And and I remember being scared to sing on my own. And they would try to really show off by having me sing at the guest, you know, churches and so forth. And uh, and I said, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to sing that song. They sent person <laughs> after person outside to talk to me saying, well, girl, you better go in there and sing. And I'm not singing. A guy came out and said, God's going to take your voice away if you don't sing. I ran in and Ooh. sang. <laughs> like, I know. It's the fear factor. Unfortunately, I yeah. was raised on that, too. And that took most of my life to get rid of. But um, uh, I, I love music, and I found out how powerful it is and how uh, how important it is and how you have to be really careful what you sing. Mm. And were you around the same age when you started playing piano? I started playing piano around nine or nine and a half. It was really an accident because we had um, Goodwill stores when I was growing up. And, you know, in in my day, uh, instead of going to all of the fine and fancy department stores, Mom looked for anything she could find for us and for the house and, you know, Salvation Army, good stuff. Goodwill stores or whatever, and we were in the basement of this one that had a piano, and I picked out with my two index fingers on the black keys, the boogie-woogie, you know, just, (laughs) and she said, where did you learn that, Olita? I said, I don't know, but it was like the 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 easiest thing to play da 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 da, you know, and you hear the radio, Mm -hmm. and so it's that was like the basis of a lot of the rock and roll at that time, a lot of the blues, the basis of a lot of songs. So uh, for some reason or another, I heard that, and she said, do you want to learn to play the piano? And I said, yes. And we couldn't afford a piano, so uh, I did start taking lessons from Gracie Young, who was also a preacher's kid. And uh, what I had was the keys were printed out on this long um, white paper, and I would practice my lesson on the coffee table on this paper keys. And uh, and then I would actually play it when I went to Gracie's house. And then finally, Mom purchased a little spinet piano. And, and it, was, it was the start of something important. And then, you know, I finally, at 11, at age 11, I started accompanying and directing four choirs and uh i that's kind of the time that i had to give up my dog my dolls and teddy bears mm-hmm. not much how time to do anything age, else <laughs> how at age 11 you are directing choirs are, were these adult choirs oh yeah adult teenage tot and junior mm-hmm. wow and oh, the yes. adults listen to you <laughs> Well, they did, but not without them. <laughs> see, you see how quickly you went there? <laughs> That's the truth. The adults thought it was really kind of cute, you know, and because of the talent that I displayed, they knew that I could take them, you know, uh, places that they really wanted to go. And also with the, uh, there was a lady that was still over me that um, 
also directed um, to try to keep the adults in line because, you know, um, they Mm -hmm. felt that a young person probably would get kind of crushed under those circumstances. There were good and bad um, situations that came out of it. I figured that if you can be a leader over a church group, you can pretty much handle anything. (laughs) Wow. and uh, it was great, a great learning experience for uh, learning about um, group leadership. It, it was really great for me. And, and and also being over your own peer group. You know, there's a lot of jealousies that are involved. It's trying to keep people um, and discipline them because, you know, if people don't show up for choir rehearsals and they show up on Sunday – wanting to sing but they don't know the song and then they say that you mm-hmm. sing all the songs and and that's because they didn't show up and <laughs> mm. so there were all sorts of things that you learn about you know so it was it was real interesting for me and i can imagine um you directing a, a choir of teenagers um was most challenging not so much for the adults but for teenagers cuz you know how we, we teenagers can be um, so I can imagine that was most challenging for you as well. That's interesting. Yeah, they were. There were a lot of jealousies involved. You know, I know yeah. that I got a lot of uh, attention because of my voice, even at that age, and because of my ability to play the piano. Um, mm-hmm. And then when school, you know, when I got into junior high and high school, then of course I got noticed under other circumstances. So pretty much, growing up in a small town. Then you get notice. I learned about being a big fish in a little pond, as opposed to a little fish in a big pond. Uh-huh. And uh, mm. I've never forgotten that. Mm. Okay. And, and you, you know, and one thing that um kind of caught my attention while reading your bio and everything was that the fact that uh, you know when you when you came out you know uh, the sound that you were kind of you know. Um, had back then, it wasn't um, the the in thing because it was more of a disco type era back then. So how did you feel about that when they kind of um, you know had that? I wouldn't say rejection, but when you kind of had a, such a good godly voice, but in the era of the disco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, my voice for any era was very, very different. It was low when everything else was high. You know, even the guys were singing a lot higher than I was singing. Uh, I remember when El DeBarge was <laughs> coming out, and then there was, you know, the Jackson 5. Michael Jackson was singing very high, and, you know, all of the, uh, uh, you know, guys in the Four Tops and the Temptations and, you know, all of these people were singing high. And uh, some of those people I saw later on when I played Detroit, you know, some of the hotel clubs there, and uh, and some of them visited Kansas City because I was quite popular later on in this area when I started singing in clubs. And they would come and they'd listen and they'd say, well, you know, um, she sounds too gospely or she sounds, you know, people couldn't figure out because couldn't figure out because of my versatility what what they disliked most about my sound. Either I've been told that I wasn't black enough, I was told that I was no. too gospely, uh, I was told that it, you know, it just didn't sound like a pop voice, which was the big seller at that time. 
Uh, I know that, uh, rest his soul, um, Don Cornelius had me on Soul Train one time, and the second time when I came back, tried to come back for my uh, next record. He did not feel that I was um, soulful enough for his show, so I was rejected. And uh, mm. so, you know, that particular record didn't get the kind of exposure that we wanted. And things like that happened to me a whole lot. Uh, I realized that the things are changing, the lines are blurring a lot more these days. And uh, and I love the versatility because it has given me longevity in my career. So that even if I'm not recording, I can sing with an orchestra, I can sing jazz, I can sing pop, I can sing rhythm and blues, I can sing the gospel, as opposed to somebody who ha- only has one sound. And yeah. it hurt at the time, but now I'm just so blessed and so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, we've interviewed a lot of artists because... Also, in you know, that I found out that you were discovered by uh, one of my all-time great groups, Tears for Fears. And, yes. um You know, we talked to a lot of artists, and we asked them about the um, differences between people appreciating music in the U.S. versus appreciating it in the U.K. So how do you feel about that with what you just said about, you know, being kind of a uh, rejected by, you know, some people back in the day because you didn't sound so whatever, but a group from overseas found you and kind of, you know, helped you out and everything and uh, and, and discovered your sound. You know, I, I think that uh, there are many genres of music who have gone through that, jazz for one. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of our jazz greats, in order to make a steady living, uh, spent a whole lot of time in Europe. And their music, uh, jazz music, was so appreciated that some of them moved over there. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it is interesting. America is a lot more polarized. And it's because of the record industry. It was also because of uh, discrimination, discrimination. You know, uh, there were a lot of things that we had to combat here in the U.S. But uh, to a lot of the Europeans, they they love that sound. They're still eating it up. And the old 70s soulful sound, they still love it today, you know. And and Mm -hmm. they don't quite classify R&B the same way that we do because there are some people who will say, well, you know that's that's not really that's not really R and B. That's pop. That's what America does. Um, but they call a lot of things R and B. You know, rhythm and blues. They actually they put it under the circle of soul music. Soul music. Mm. You know. And so I'm grateful because you could be listening to the radio over in Europe, and I got used to this because that's where I made my my first entrance into the scene was in Europe. You could be listening to to me on the radio and flanking my song was Frank Sinatra and Elton John and then you'd listen to, you know, a Stevie Wonder or a one you know, one of the other uh rock bands that's a British group or they'll play some universal music from some other country. So like Zucchero, you know, from Italy. So um, 
I wish that America would expand their ears, and that that's the one great thing about the Internet is that we all have access to being exposed to universal music now. We don't have to simply go by, you know, rhythm and blues, hip-hop, pop, jazz, and blues, you know, or that's classical. True. They mix it all up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, your story is quite similar to Randy Crawford's. We interviewed Joe Sample, and he was telling us a similar story about Randy Crawford, about how she was not really accepted here on radio here in the States um, because she she wasn't enough of this or she was too much of that, and, and uh, you know, but their music was much more accepted overseas. So I just find it really interesting that that's how the music industry wants to, you know, fit people in a certain box and have them be a certain way and in a certain category. It's just, you know, it's crazy. One of these days, hopefully, that that will go away. I hope it will because uh, Randy Crawford is absolutely adored in Europe Mm -hmm. and, and Asia. She is adored. We've done some shows together you know, um, jazz shows, you know, there's a lot of festivals that we end up doing, and and it, it, they just absolutely love her to this day. And so yeah. one of these days, I think America will grow up. Let's hope so. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> All right, let's listen to one of the tracks from your upcoming album, A Place for Peace. I'm going to start with Safe and Sound. Tell me about this one. When when we got to the, the place to where children's lives were at stake, I thought about a parent bringing home a baby and imagining uh, a mother. Uh, you know, I'm sure they, lo- they lose sleep the first little while because it hits mm-hmm. them on the way home that, oh, my gosh, this is not like, just a temporary thing. This is a lifelong thing, and I can provide food. I can provide shelter no matter what. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. But how do I keep this child safe? And especially Mm. when, you know, the places that you thought were safe are no longer safe at school or waiting for a bus. It's, It's rampant everywhere. We're dealing with this here in Kansas City. Just even in their own homes, Sitting on the sofa, they could lose their life because of a stray bullet. That's This is the sadness. John and I were not fortunate to have children, but I imagined what I would feel like, what prayer I would say at that moment mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you're, you're faced with these young children upstairs in the bed sleep and you're saying your prayers and it prob- as a mother, and it probably would sound something like this. Mm, safe and sound. In a room upstairs At the top of the stairs Is the precious gift you gave me Jesus, pardon, joy And my baby 
That is every mother's prayer. Every mother's <laughs> prayer, safe and sound. Oh, like Especially for young yes. black boys. Yeah, I know. I had a lady tell me, you know, the school just started, and so many families were driving their their babies to college and mm. having a real hard time of it. And I was performing someplace, and I said, well, you can always uh, play that song to him before he goes to bed or, or down, tell him to download it and play it, <laughs> play it before he goes to bed at night. I mean, what a, a scary thing it is these days, but there's always hope. There's always hope in that God is going to be watching over those young people no matter where they are. Yes, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, now, I um, want to go off, off, off the record right now, because uh, you mentioned your husband uh, before we played the song. You mentioned your husband um, leading up into the song. Now, I read that uh, you had no plans on getting married, but you were involved <laughs> in an earthquake. And of course, you ready, you thought that was a sign from God. I'm like, so, so now, do you guys joke about that, or like, yo, you know, it's a act of God for you to marry me? You know, you know what? On on next, uh, let me see, whatever the eighth is. What is that? Uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, it'll be our 21st anniversary. Wow. <laughs> uh, October and is yeah, it, it pretty much. We were out there in that earthquake in '94 out in L.A. and. Uh, <laughs> we started thinking, okay, I guess that's the sign. <laughs> and things kind of changed after that. And we went, all right, all right, all right, I hear you. In 94, everything was going really well, and I was sitting up in my house alone. I had a, a dog. Uh, one of the two dogs was still alive, and I was listening to classical music by myself in my house, and I went, hmm, uh, the bank account's real nice. I'm I'm good. My house paid off. Um, wow. Is that all there is? <laughs> and John and I had been friends and had been dating for a long time, and I just thought, well, no, this can't be all that there is. And we have had a a, a wonderful marriage, and I learned about, I remember praying to God, asking him to teach me how to love, to really love, because most you know, my fear was that uh, there ain't no guy who's going to love me all of my life. Um, it's mm. it's about taking that risk, and it it's none of your business, the other part, so much as it is your business to love. And God has a way of making that love grow and just, sort of surrounding the two of you and we are still very much in love and uh and it is just the two of us. He's been my drummer all this time for over thirty something years and and so we get to travel together and uh we were very sad to find out that, you know, I we couldn't have children but it's it's probably for the best because I probably would not have, you know, kept moving around. Uh, singing, because, you know, it's just very important that you raise your own children. So uh, this, it's worked out, and I'm really, really pleased, and I think we love so many hundreds of times over today uh, than we did when we first got married. Even when we first got married, we thought that that was true love, but no, it's when you go through some ups and downs, and when you've weathered the storms that you know 
finally realize what true love is. And it's a mature kind of love today. And I'm really happy that we're going to be celebrating our 21st anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. I have a question from the chat room and a comment. Um, Joe from Germany is commenting on your voice. He says, I love that voice. That is so soothing. I'm from the Safe and Sound track. Thank you. And Thank you. Mike mentioned Tears for Fears. So Ollie J wants to know, how did that happen? I was playing in Kansas City at the Hyatt Hotel, and uh, Tears for Fears was in town doing a concert, and they were staying at the Hyatt Hotel. So after their concert, they, you know, changed clothes, came down for my show, sat there and listened to me singing some of the songs that I still sing today. And they were so moved by my performance that although I did not meet them that night, um, Mm -hmm. two years later they tracked me down and invited me to be a part of their Seeds of Love CD. They had wanted me to sing a song called Woman in Chains. I thought I got nothing to lose. And then they came to visit me at my house just to prove that they Mm -hmm. were sincere um, they had mm. no other business in the States, and they stayed for about three or four days, and we talked and had dinner together. They went to my gig with me. I mean, I was playing piano bar at the time, and uh, they listened, and 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 then I ended up the, the following year recording um, several songs on their Seeds of Love album, and the rest is history. I ended up getting a a record deal through their same label because Roland told the people that, you know, when this comes out, she's going to be offered a deal and you'd be smart to be the first ones. And they said, yeah, but how do we market her? And Roland said, just let her sing. And that's how it happened. Mm. And you know what I like about this story, too, is that when you were touring with them, they let you do your own show in addition yeah. to you singing with them. And I love that. Oh, yeah. In that. fact, I, I opened their show singing one of mm-hmm. their songs, Three Feet High in the Air, with a grand piano, uh, singing I Believe. And uh, <laughs> and then in the middle of their show, I would sing I've Got to Sing My Song, and Roland would sing with the background vocalist. And I always, you know, I heard this screaming and hollering, and I'm like, is he upstaging me? What is going on? <laughs> it, took, <laughs> it took a few times, you know. And as the time went on, we moved from one place to the other because the, the tour lasted six months around the world. And they said, it's, they're screaming for you, silly. <laughs> I wasn't used to hearing screaming like that. It was really quite exciting. It was. I learned so much from them, and in fact, from them, I really learned how to appreciate this low voice. Mm-hmm. And I also read that while you were performing there, there were other um, musicians and artists that came to see you, but Tears for Fears were the only ones that contacted you? Yeah, I have to say in all fairness that George Benson tried for three years to get me a deal on the Warner Brothers jazz label. And if you talk okay. to him today, he'll say that he discovered me. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he'll, he'll say he'll tell you that he discovered me. But there are lots and lots of names because I was I was working uh, a long time in Kansas City at Crown Center Hotel, uh, the Westin 
a lot of uh, ball teams all stayed there and uh, bands that came through town, all sorts of shows. They would, it sounds like a who's who, um, who all heard me. On, and they just really encouraged me to just keep going. You know, at that point, I kind of gave up. In fact, it was the group Yes. Uh, it's a rock band from the old days uh, that gave me my first audition. They brought in Ahmet Erdogan from Atlantic Records, and he flew me to New York and to do an audition, and then, you know, never heard a, another thing out of him after that, and that was in like 75 or 76. And uh, I had to just wait, and that became my scripture of importance, you know, uh, the wait, that four-letter word, wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I read that over and over and over. Every scripture I turned to in the Psalms was, wait, <laughs> wait, I say. <laughs> I had to learn to be patient, and that's very important because then you're ready and you're not still working mm-hmm. on your skill, you're ready by the time it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also, uh, there's some, uh, I know that Phil Collins was on drums on that Woman in Chains song as well, so you had a chance mm-hmm. to work with uh, Phil Collins and, uh, I guess, uh, Genesis and everything. But, um, you know, um, you know, how do you, being in the music business so long and, you know, going through what you've been through from, you know, the piano bar to the success that you have now, uh, how do you feel about the music business, uh, the state of music right now, as it is with the uh, evolution of the Internet and the social media kind of taking over? I I think that it's a great way for people to be heard. There have been so many stories of uh, people posting themselves, singing online, uh, and getting really big breaks. Um and I've watched all of the television sh- well I, I can't honestly say that I've watched a, a lot the voice and american idol um I didn't watch some of those because th- I felt that they were not very nice to some of the people there and mm-hmm. I I couldn't stand to watch more punishment I I lived through it you know with rejection from uh, a lot of people so that wasn't my idea of entertainment but I'm very happy for those who have been fortunate enough to have a career um, through those particular venues. And uh, I, there are some great voices out there. I've watched the uh, the lines blur as far as the styles and all of the um, the you know. I mean, anymore the genres are all blending too. I heard a country singer sing a country hip-hop song. (laughs) Wow. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I love it when they combine classical and jazz and, um, you know, jazz and hip-hop. I love all of that, and I think that's really great. Uh, I'm happy that not all of the control is in the hands of the record companies because they can also uh, really – it can – it can really stunt your growth, uh, and I've met so many popular artists who were very, very sad because of uh, record companies, and uh, I've closed a lot of record companies myself, so <laughs> so uh, it, I'm glad that the, the power is put into the hands of those who can 
you know, who are legitimately talent, who can talented and if you really want to be heard, you can get out there and be heard. I I like that a lot. And mm-hmm. uh and and we can make up our minds about the style of music that we really like to hear and it's not we're not being just simply force-fed through radio. I know in some circumstances we are, but at least we do have access to all the radio stations around the world by um, you know through the internet. So true. So true. All right. Um <clears throat> long and lonely hours. I'm going to play this next. Tell me about this song. Mm. Uh, about 12 years ago, about 13 years ago, my mother passed, and uh, she uh, ended up with a pituitary tumor, and it was a fast-growing kind of tumor so that when they, you know, extracted it one day, it came back, it grew back in about 30 days. And uh, she was in the hospital for the last five months of her life until my father uh, just took her out of the hospital and said, you're, gonna, you're going home. And um, uh, seeing her there, you know, she was a very polished lady. She was uh, very much a Christian lady, and everybody in, around the world was used to seeing her just completely, you know, hair was laid, nails, toenails, you know, the pedicure was perfect, clothes, everything. And... You know, she, when I walked up there and, and saw her in the hospital, she said, look at me. And, but she said, you know, I've made my peace with God. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And I wondered about what she thought under these circumstances um, when we were no longer there at night. And I experienced uh, since then... Um, some circumstances where I was in a hospital and it gets very lonely after mm-hmm. visiting hours. You're used to mm-hmm. all the hustle and the bustle and the regular nurses go home and you're, you know, if you have any kind of special machi- machinery on you, the rookies come on at night and mm-hmm. they they may or may not know how to work this equipment and you're trying to be patient, you know, and it, it's just you know, after a few days, then you're like, okay, Lord, I've been kind, I've been good about this whole thing, now it's time for you to do your part. And I know for my mother, the doctors really didn't know what to do, and this happens to a lot of people, and you hear people talking, and the nurses may be, they may talk softly, or they may talk loudly, and it's just a very lonely situation. So I imagine what prayer, possibly my mother would have said, or someone in that same kind of circumstances. And certainly from my perspective, I knew how I felt. But this is about people who are faced with very difficult illnesses, and they're very lonely in the middle of the night. I want to personally thank you for this song. When I read uh, what you said about it, and when I listened to it, it took me back to my mother. We lost her a year ago this month um, to cancer, and we did home hospice with her. And um, this song made just 
I got emotional listening to this song. So thank you for this song. It really hit home for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's what your words are, I mean, your words are spot on. So this is Long and Lonely Hours. In the long and lonely hours As I bear the cross of pain I've been waiting for an answer Now I'm asking you again From a load that's hard to bear Help me reach my destination Will you come and take me there? I get Flowers and well-wishers With a card or sentiment Some have written off my future Cause my body's so far spent I hear whispers in the distance From the ones who care for me I hear sighs of great frustration Cause they don't have what I need Lord, can't you hear me in my suffering? Please heal me. 
Thank you, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So let everyone know where you're going to be performing next. Well, <laughs> um, I'm leaving on Monday for Holland. I'll be in the Netherlands for the next week. And then when we come back, we'll be in Houston um, but that's private. I don't know if that's private or not. In, in Houston at Zilka, and then uh, after that, uh, in October 16th, 17th, and 18th, I'll be at Catalina's in Los Angeles. That's in Hollywood. And okay. uh, so let me see. And then uh, I want all my people who in Bert in. Uh, Alexandria, Virginia, to know we'll be back at the Birchmere in November. Mm-hmm. That's and my also, yeah. Yes, we'll be there. And also at the Ram's Head in Annapolis. And also uh, out in California, I will be doing the Colors of Christmas tour this year. Uh, that's uh, at Cerritos, California, and also in San Francisco. And that's with Peebo Bryson, Billy Davis, and Marilyn McCoo, and B.B. Winan. So that, oh, wow. okay. that should be a real fun time. And I'm sure I've missed something else, but those are the ones I can remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I wanted to ask you, too, as far as the questions, and um, just got one more. Um, now, your last... Um, CD was in 2009. So with this new CD, are 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 your fans uh, really um, anticipating this new record coming out? Because it's been what's that six years, six seven years since you made a, a full CD. I am a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> I am very slow. I you know this whole recording thing. Well, for one thing, uh, um, you know it. it, it when you when you put your own money up on a lot of this stuff, then you start to think about because I'm I'm growing old and I don't want to admit it, but I am. <laughs> and when you put your own money at stake on some of this stuff, and you're like, okay, right, uh-huh, uh, let's think about the return on this, and then you think, let me see, a new roof or a record? Uh-uh. <laughs> The old car that was, you know, 16 years old, I had to get a new car. It was, you know, I got another one that's 21 years old. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what happens if we live for a long time? What happens if we live for 30 more years? we got to stretch this out. A new record or food? (laughs) So uh, I I do, I, I, you know, and... I know that I need another record. I need to do it quickly, <clears throat> and everybody is fussing at me. So go ahead and fuss at me, and I will really try to release this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I for one uh, am looking forward to it. Sure, definitely. Yeah, okay. Well, um, thank you I think so much. I'm going to share long and lonely hours with my sisters. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, have let them listen to it as well. Uh, oh, that, thank so, you. Yeah, I'll share that with them. All right. Uh, so let I everyone know where they can find Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Where can we find you on the web? Absolutely. I have a Facebook page now, and also uh, I have a website, Olita, at olitaadams.com. And uh, I hope that everybody will check it out. Uh, I'd appreciate that. And uh, I'll be singing somewhere close by. You know, I'm not, I don't sit still for long. And I'm mm-hmm. enjoying okay. this time of my life so very, very much. And it's particularly because I get a chance to meet people like you. So thank you, too, for being so gracious. I appreciate it. Oh, no. It is our pleasure. Thank you. you. Um, Are you on Twitter or Instagram? I don't tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's the only one. I don't tweet. Facebook is the only one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't tweet tweet or any of that stuff. I, I just don't. I haven't found anything that is that necessary. I didn't think you really wanted to know what I had for breakfast this morning. (laughs) 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 And I hope that the people will, you know, and it really does uh, matter to me. I know records are very important, but I, I love seeing the faces of people. So if they'll just come out and say hello to me when we're in town or someplace close by, I'd sure appreciate it. Okay. All right. That's fair. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Mr. Adams, thank you so much. I really, it's been an honor having you on and talking to you. Thank you. It definitely has been. Thank Mr. you Nat, so much. Um, I know that you always come to the uh, Bridgemere, you know, and everything. That's, you know, a ritual because uh, I know you're going to be here in, in that Ramshire, so hopefully I can try to make it out to one of those uh, shows. I hope you will. Please let me know if you are going to come, okay? Okay. I sure will. Yes, ma'am. All right. All right. Thank you again, and you have a great day. Thank you. God bless you both. God bless, God bless you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was Alita Adams. Um, look out for her upcoming release, A Place for Peace, Musical Prayers. Oh, long and lonely hours, I swear, that song right there. Just very, very, yeah. very. Uh, okay, anyway. One of the, uh, Mike, the most original and beautiful voices in music. You know, I mean, that just... Yeah. No, just a certain genre, but I mean, she just has such a beautiful voice. But uh, you know, I, I, after reading her bio and everything, the last that I didn't, you know, sometimes you go back on people and look them up, and you know, I know we have unsung now and things like that. But you know, you find out different things about them that you didn't know, and I mm-hmm. surely didn't know about some of the things that we kind of discussed today and uh, some things that I've looked up. So yeah, great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Joe yeah. says I prefer her singing and birds tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Jill. <laughs> All right, Mike. Any, anything coming up in your area? Um, no, nothing. Nothing's coming up in, in the area and everything. Uh, but so we um uh, got some different things. Like she mentioned, she's gonna be here at the Birchmere. Uh, so we have um some um other shows that'll be coming up. I know we got uh I got David P. Stevens. He's gonna be down in Atlanta. And uh, but as far as here, no, nothing much. Too much um in this area. No. Okay, but uh, Talking Smooth Jazz Entertainment, we have some, some concerts coming up. Yes, we have My, a little look. Oh, I'm okay. going to wait for you to keep going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we have uh, Tony Axum Jr. coming up on November the 6th, and then we have um, uh, 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 Nicholas Cole, Lynn Roundtree, with a uh, special guest, Jasmine Gent. Uh, that's on November the 14th. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, these are uh, all going to be at the Ferris Station 1 uh, grill up in Silver Spring, Maryland. And then also we have Andre Delano on the 21st of November, uh, which was originally dated for October the 8th. We uh, rescheduled the um, show to November the 21st on a Saturday night to more so accommodate the fans that have been uh, requesting that you know, we move his date to the uh, 20, to, uh, to a Saturday versus a weeknight. Uh, so, yeah, so all those shows will be on either a Friday or Saturday night uh, because a lot of the fans have been uh, calling us and emailing us and, and um, you know, um, hitting me on Facebook about the date. And, you know, more people would rather come out on a Friday and Saturday night versus a weeknight. So we mm-hmm. want to accommodate all the fans as best that we can. So that's what we did. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you, uh, Andrew Harris, Joe, and Ollie. Thank you all for hanging out with us uh, for this interview. It's been such a pleasure yeah. talking to her. I really enjoyed it. Her upcoming album is called A Place for Peace, Musical Prayers. And um, you heard two of the tracks from that, Long and Lonely Hours and Safe and Sound. Yeah, Check her out on Facebook. Too. Yeah, Yeah, really nice. And uh, follow her on Facebook, and her website, again, is olitaadams.com. All right, Mike, I will be talking to you soon, I'm sure. I just want to go, and one more more thing I just want to say before we go off the air that I think this is the first show that we had such, such a beautiful woman on the show, and I didn't even try to hit on her, okay? I just want you to know that, sir, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So so that's going to have to go down into the archives, Okay. That, that goes down a very, you. very beautiful woman. Wow, that, and I didn't yes, even try to is. hit on her at all. Yes, she is. Oh, my goodness. Yes, she is. I did a great She's job ready. today, sir. I did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> you are crazy. All right. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our website, TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com. Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind.